This morning's scripture reading is taken from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 37, verse 1 to 17. Jeremiah 37, verse 1 to 17. Zedekiah, son of Josiah, was made king of Judah by, ne- by Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. He reigned in place of Jehoiachin, son of Jehoiakim. Neither he nor his attendants nor the people of the land paid any attention to the words the Lord had spoken through Jeremiah the prophet. King Zedekiah, however, sent Jehuqal, son of Shalemiah, with the priest Jephaniah, son of Mashiach, to Jeremiah the prophet with this message. Please pray to the Lord our God for us. Now Jeremiah was free to come and go among the people, for he had not yet been put in prison. Pharaoh's army had marched out of Egypt, and when the Babylonians who were besieging Jerusalem heard the report about them, they withdrew from Jerusalem. Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Tell the king of Judah, who sent you to inquire of me, Pharaoh's army, which has marched out to support you, will go back to its own land, to Egypt. Then the Babylonians will return and attack this city. They will capture it and burn it down. This is what the Lord says. Do not deceive yourselves, thinking, the Babylonians will surely leave us. They will not. Even if you were to defeat the entire Babylonian army that is attacking you, and only wounded men were left in their tents, they would come out and burn this city down. After the Babylonian army had withdrawn from Jerusalem because of Pharaoh's army, Jeremiah started to leave the city to go to the territory of Benjamin to get his share of the property among the people there. But when he reached the Benjamin gate, the captain of the guard, whose name was Erijah, son of Shulamiah, the son of Hananiah, arrested him and said, You are deserting to the Babylonians. That's not true, Jeremiah said. I'm not deserting to the Babylonians. But Elijah could, would not listen to him. Instead, he arrested Jeremiah and brought him to the officials. They were angry with Jeremiah and had him bitten and imprisoned in the house of Jonathan, the secretary, which they had made into a prison. Jeremiah was put into a vaulted cell in a dungeon where he remained a long time. Then King Jedekiah sent for him and had him brought to the palace where he asked him privately, Is there any word from the Lord? Yes, Jeremiah replied, You will be delivered into the hands of the king of Babylon. We are honored to have Dr. Lee Kunsu to preach to us this morning from the book of Jeremiah, Lessons from the Last King of Judah. Thank you. A very good morning, brothers and sisters and reverend. Thank you for giving me this privilege to share God's word with you all this morning. Stories of kings. I'm sure, brothers and sisters, we all, and especially the Sunday school children, they are very familiar with stories about kings. They have surely heard the popular stories, for example, 
Who haven't heard the story of David? With just five stones and a sling, he slew Goliath. Or wise King Solomon. He said, cut the baby into two, one half to this woman and one half to the other, since they are fighting over the baby. He knew the real mother would not allow such a drastic thing to happen. And there are other kings like Josiah, who once he heard the law being read, immediately ordered reforms to be instituted. Well, today's sermon, my brothers and sisters, is also about a king in the Bible. And the name of this king is Zedekiah. You can read the stories about Zedekiah in 2 Kings chapter 24 and 25, also in Chronicles 36 and many chapters in Jeremiah. I have chosen the passage from Jeremiah 37. You know, it struck me, my brothers and sisters, we all are very familiar with this verse in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. We all know all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I think if we really believe this scripture verse, then we should believe that God still speaks to us from those stories of the kings and the prophets in the Old Testament, including this last king, King Zedekiah, the last king of Judah. Zedekiah reigned as Judah was crumbling, under siege, and he looked for deliverance. But he got it wrong. Zedekiah got it very, very wrong. I wonder about our country too. I wonder about us. I know we are lamenting. Our country may not be crumbling, but it ain't that great shape too. So are we also looking for deliverance the wrong way? I pray, my brothers and sisters, this morning, we can hear God afresh from His Word. Let us pray. Yes, Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart will be acceptable to you, Lord. O Holy Spirit, come, Lord, come and dwell with us so that we can hear from your Word afresh. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, lessons from the last king of Judah. A little bit more background. A little bit more background about the story. You see, before the stories, before the story of the kings actually started more than 400 years before Zedekiah, before the stories, before the kings, actually, God was the king of the Israelites. And you all know, God had delivered them from slavery in Egypt and brought them out into the promised land. In those days, it was a theocracy. God was their king. The story of kings, actually, you can find it in a big chunk of the Old Testament, in 1 and 2 Samuel, 1 and 2 Kings, and 1 and 2 Chronicles. I realized that the, the amount of pages in this six book actually equals the amount of pages in the New Testament minus the four Gospels. What I'm trying to say is, there are really a lot of stories about the kings and the prophets that we need to know more about. So, God had kept his covenant, the people were now in the promised land, and God was their king. And God gave them human leaders to lead them. There was Moses, there was Joshua, and then there were judges. But by the time it came to Samuel, even way before then, we know the people sinned. They keep on breaking God's covenant. And they told Samuel, give us a king to lead us like all the other nations. They were rejecting God as their king. 
In fact, God told Samuel, it is not you they are rejecting. It is I, God, whom the people are rejecting. Well, the people insisted and God gave them kings. Sometimes, brothers and sisters, God allows us to have our ways to teach us a lesson or two. So, we all know what happened. Starting with King Saul, then David, and Solomon. And after Solomon, sadly, the kingdom was broken into two. The northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, Judah. So, and then, our timeline, our story now comes to Zedekiah, the last king of Judah. And the year is 588 BCE. The liturgist has just read a long passage to you from Jeremiah chapter 37. King Zedekiah. You see, at that time, Jerusalem was besieged by the Babylonian army. The northern kingdom had already been vanquished. And you can see the Babylonians were on the doorstep of Jerusalem. And this last king, remember, in verse 1 we read, he was made king of Judah by Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. Oh yes, Zedekiah was actually put in place by Babylon as a puppet king. He was meant to serve Babylon, to pay tribute. But he rebelled. Zedekiah rebelled. He hoped that he would get help from Egypt to break free from Babylon. Zedekiah wanted to escape the judgment of God. Time and again he had heard that the Judah have to suffer exile and have to be have to be conquered by Babylon. And Zedekiah did not like this. So he desperately looked for help. What did he do? He prayed. He seemed to seek God. In verse 3 we read, he told Jeremiah, please pray to the Lord for us. And then in verse 17, after the drama when poor Jeremiah was in prison, the king brought him out to the palace and quietly asked him, is there any word from the Lord? We can see Jeremiah desperately seeking God. In the next chapter, you can read, one more time he asked Jeremiah, I'm going to ask you, Jeremiah, something. Do not hide anything from me. Oh yes, we can see Zedekiah really wanted to hear from God and asking about what God was going to do. You know, at first glance, all these actions of Jeremiah seems very commendable and most appropriate. He's in big trouble. His country is crumbling. He asks for help. He prays. Isn't that what we do too, my brothers and sisters? When we are in trouble, don't we also ask God for help and ask for prayers? Indeed, Zedekiah had great hopes that God would hear his prayer. I think Zedekiah was probably remembering how God had heard the prayer of one of his predecessor kings. If you know the story of Hezekiah, Hezekiah also prayed to God to deliver them from the Assyrians. And God heard and answered Hezekiah's prayer. In the middle of the night, an angel came and slew 185 of the Assyrian soldiers. And Judah was safe from the, from the Assyrians, at least for a while. So, in a way, Zedekiah was just hoping, um, perhaps God will perform for us Judah, just as in times past, so that Nebuchadnezzar can withdraw from us. But we know this was not so. God had repeatedly told them through Jeremiah, they have to surrender, 
they have to be punished for their sins, they have to go into exile. God had decided to give over Jerusalem and Judah to be punished. And we also read time and again in the book of Jeremiah how Jeremiah pleaded with the kings, including Zedekiah, to obey, to repent from their sins. But did Zedekiah listen? No, he did not listen. If you read verse 2 of chapter 37, I think it very aptly describes Zedekiah and the people's attitude. Neither he nor his attendants nor the people of the land paid any attention to the words the Lord has spoken through Jeremiah the prophet. Yes, he wanted God's help, but he would not follow what was told to him to do and he would not obey. If I put it simply, Zedekiah and the people pray, 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 no obey. Ask, pray, but not obey. He gave all sorts of excuses. But we know Zedekiah and the people were described as stiff-necked. They had hardened their hearts. They just would not turn to the Lord. I think it's a reminder to us, my brothers and sisters, when we pray, when we ask for prayer, we better be serious about it. And if God gives an answer, we better obey what God says. More important is we should pray and obey. Pray and obey. We know Jesus has taught us, if you love me, obey what I command. So this is the first lesson, I think, from the king of Zedekiah. Heed God's word seriously. Be serious when we pray and when we seek God. Obey. I know nobody likes to hear words of divine judgment. It is really not pleasant to know that God wants to punish, God punishes sin. But let us not be like Zedekiah. The bad news for Zedekiah was still God's news. And it needed to be heard. It needed to be obeyed. So brothers and sisters, remember, let us heed God's word seriously. Well, just now I was talking about Sunday school children. Huh? Today's sermon is a bit like Sunday school lesson. You're going to hear lots of stories. So, another story about Zedekiah. There was another time when Zedekiah was again, in the, was again praying to God because, because um, they were desperate, you know. The country was really in a dire situation. And this time, Zedekiah and the people and the officials, they not only prayed, they actually took action and repented. Oh yes, they repented. What did they do? You see, among the many commandments which they had been breaking and not obeying was the one where they are supposed to free the slaves every seven years. Yeah? And they had not done that. But now they tell God, God, we make a covenant, we're going to free all our slaves. And so they did that. And then shortly after that, in verse 5, in verse 5 of chapter 37, Pharaoh's army marched out of Egypt. And when the Babylonians who were besieging Jerusalem heard the report about them, they withdrew from Jerusalem. Can you follow? Can you imagine how thrilled Zedekiah and the people were? Egypt was coming to their aid. Pharaoh's army had marched out. And true enough, for a while, the Babylonian army retreated and the siege was lifted. Oh, you can hear 
their cries of relief and joy. And then what did they do? They immediately enslaved all their slaves again. They had just repented and told God, we're going to free all the slaves. Now, they, free, they, they, they enslaved all their slaves again. How insincere was their repentance? How insincere? And this is the second lesson we must learn from Zedekiah. When, you say we, when we say we repent and when we pray, we better be sincere and not insincere like what Zedekiah and the people did. In a way, you can say they only cried crocodile tears to God. And this was what God then said to Jeremiah, to Zedekiah. Recently, you repented and did what is right in my sight. Each of you proclaimed freedom to your own people. Very good. You even made a covenant before me in the house that bears my name. But now, you have turned around and profaned my name. Each of you has taken back the male and female slaves. You had set free to go where they wished. You have forced them to become your slaves again. Can you see how the king and the people, their, their, their repentance was so insincere. It's like once the danger had passed, they saw or they lost all sense of need for God. I repeat, once the danger had passed, they lost all sense of their need for God. My brothers and sisters, are we also guilty of this? God continued his word to Jedekiah in the verses 7 to 9. He told them, don't deceive yourself. Pharaoh's army will retreat and the Babylonians will return. Yes, and Jerusalem will be burned down. You know, if Zedekiah is such a is such a is such an if Zedekiah is an example of really insincere repentance, we thank God that in the Bible there are examples of true repentance. There are examples of true repentance to encourage us. I can think of a few. I think the best example is of course King David. After King David committed adultery with Bathsheba. He repented, he asked for forgiveness, and he asked to be cleansed. And God was pleased with his repentance. The second example, remember Jesus told the parable of the prodigal son? And the prodigal son, after he came to his senses, he told himself, I'm going to go back to my father and tell my father, I'm not worthy to be called your son. Take me back as your hired hands. I think there's another good example of real repentance. And a third example is perhaps Peter. We all know Peter denied Christ three times. But by God's grace, by God's mercy, we know Peter was changed and he never again let Jesus down. He became the leader of the apostles and the early church. True repentance. I cannot help but think about it. What about us? Do we also renege on our cries of repentance? Our claims that we want to be renewed, we want to be disciples of Christ. Taking the example of COVID, yeah, it's always COVID, eh? because COVID is at the top of our minds, together with elections. You know, COVID has plagued us the last two years. And I'm, and I'm sure you all realize that the last two years, there have been so many prayers, 
special prayers. We ourselves personally have prayed and cried out to God. And I don't think I'll be wrong to say that there were definitely moments when we were gripped by fear, when we heard the stories of people, you know, so easily can contact the disease and people who die alone in the COVID wards because no family members can be with them. Gripped by fear and uncertainty, I know we have cried out to God and we have told God, God, have mercy, I repent of this, I'm searching my soul, and so on and so on. Right now, we cannot deny, but it's a fact that the pandemic is getting better, all right? With the rollout of the vaccines and all the, uh, all the SOPs or, or, or actions taken by the authorities, the pandemic is in a way receding. Though, of course, we know that it is still um, having a bit of um, uh, up, and up, and, uh, up, case, up, up cases here and there, all right? So, my brothers and sisters, are we also guilty of this? Danger past, God forgotten. The danger of the pandemic seems to be passing. And is God forgotten? Have we forgotten all that we told God we want to repent? Have we done all our soul searching? And if we are not careful, we will run into the sin of Zedekiah and the people of Judah, where the repentance was insincere repentance. I pray that we will all search our hearts and ask God for forgiveness, that we will not practice this. The danger is past and God is forgotten. If you were to read the story of how Zedekiah's life ended, it is really not very nice. Three times in the Bible, it records how Zedekiah met his end. After the city fell, he was brought out to meet the king, Nebuchadnezzar, and before his eyes, his sons were slaughtered and together with the officials. And after that, they took out his own eyes bound him and led him away to languish in prison in Babylon until he passed away. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that we're going to suffer like this if we are insincere in our repentance. As I say, when there are all these stories in the Bible, stories about the kings, especially when the same story with all its graphic details is repeated three times, I think it is for us to take note how important it is that we must have true repentance because God really wants us to repent truly and not just cry crocodile tears. One more last lesson about Zedekiah. One more thing that Zedekiah got wrong. We all know as we read that Zedekiah, he schemed and he tried to get help from Egypt so that he could avert or reverse the judgment and will of God. Yeah, God wanted... God has decreed that they are to be exiled and conquered by Babylon. But Zedekiah chose to put his trust and hope in humans. So he turned for help to Egypt. We read in verse 1, remember, he was put in place by Nebuchadnezzar. He had in fact sworn an oath in God's name to be subject to Babylon, but he rebelled. And instead, he turned to the other powers. You know, in a way, he and the kings... And even now, it's, it's not nothing new or nothing old. 
the powers are playing off one against another. He tried to play off one power against another. He looked for help from Egypt against Babylon. His father, King Josiah, we all remember him as one of the good kings of Judah. But King Josiah also made that fatal mistake. In his last days, he also trusted men and not God when he insisted to ride out to fight the Egyptian army. Despite being told by the Egyptian pharaoh, what is happening was God's command. But Josiah still rode out, and in the plane on end, he was killed by the Egyptians. So, my brothers and sisters, true deliverance is from God, not from man. And when we look at our present political chaos, I'm sure you agree with me that you also see a lot of power struggles, political jostling here in Malaysia and in the world. It is the same now, through all the centuries, right up to the times of the kings in the Bible. Political parties, they try to stay in power by making alliances. Party A team up with Party B. And for a while, the Rakyat so happy. They think there's salvation, but their hopes are dashed. And then now you see Party C, Party D, trying to prevent Party E or F or G from coming to power or whatever it is. Yeah? Alright? So when you see all this party hopping, uh, backstabbing, all these wheelings and dealings, I know it makes us rather sad and disappointed. Where then is deliverance for our country? Where then is deliverance? Well, David did say in Psalm 27, some trust in chariots, some put their hope in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Indeed, we should not look to man, but we must look to God for true deliverance. I know during this pandemic, brothers and sisters, one other thing I think we did a lot was we compared Malaysia with other countries. My sister lives in London. She's already a British citizen. My brother has spent 50 years of his life in Singapore. You can consider him a Singaporean. Simon and my son, he lives and works in Melbourne with his family. UK, Singapore, Australia, are these countries really better off than we here in Malaysia? Is there any real deliverance from any godly government or nation that can save men from the evil of sin? I mean, it's my opinion. I don't think so. You look at US, Previously, yeah, people look up to U.S. as a great democratic nation practicing godly values. No more. You look to China, China, I think, has the most agnostic government. So, brothers and sisters, deliverance for mankind is not going to come from any nation or party. And then when we see what's happening in the world today, eh, some of the richest people in the world are pouring billions of money into finding the secret for longevity, in the race to space, in creating more and more digital marvels. And then you hear about people saying, don't worry, we'll come up with a vaccine that is effective for all coronavirus so that you won't die from coronavirus. Brothers and sisters, I don't think deliverance was going to come from man. Right? True deliverance, including for us, was going to be from God. Unlike Zedekiah, I think Jeremiah got it right. Jeremiah got it right. You see, Jeremiah was very sad. He was obviously devastated that his beloved people of Judah would have to suffer exile 
and suffer and be carried off to Babylon. But Jeremiah knows that God has his reasons. God ultimately has the plans of salvation for man. You see, my brothers and sisters, after all these depressing lessons about Zedekiah, I've told you he did not heed God's word. He was so insincere in his repentance. And he trusted man and not God. Where is the hope then for us? Well, this is my final point. Where is the hope? If you have your Bible with you, or when you go home later on, do turn to the last chapter of Jeremiah and the last paragraph. At the same time, also turn to the last chapter of 2 Kings and also the last paragraph. And you find that these two passages are similar. Yes, these two passages, uh, these two passages, these two passages is describing the release of Jehoiakim. Now remember who is Jehoiakim? In verse 1, we read that Zedekiah became king in place of Jehoiakim. Because Jehoiakim, in a way, is the second last king of Judah. He was carried away to Babylon. And in his place, Zedekiah reigned. That's why Zedekiah claims the honor of being the last king of Judah, Jehoiakim. He was carried off to Babylon. But these two passages tell us, after many years had passed, there was a new king in Babylon, and this new king was kind to Jehoiakim and released him. And the Bible also tells us Jehoiakim had family. And out of his descendants would come somebody whose name is called Zerubbabel. What's so important about Zerubbabel? If you read again the word of God, you turn to Matthew chapter 1 and you see the names of the, the, the names of the genealogy of Jesus. You find that from Zerubbabel, it comes down to Joseph, the husband of Mary, the mother of Jesus. Yes. God had kept his promise. God was going to keep his promise that through David, God would establish his throne that lasts forever. God has not abandoned man. All right? God has kept his covenant love for man. And 500 years after Jeremiah, there was another man who suffered the Lord proclaiming God's word. And in a way, and in a way, this man he was also thrown repeatedly into prison. Yes, I'm talking about Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul, he's about to die. In his last epistle, he wrote this to Timothy. He told Timothy, Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel. Yes, I think Paul, he knew the certainty of God's faithfulness and the promises of God that has been fulfilled, were fulfilled, and I'm sure will continue to be fulfilled forever and ever. You see, Jesus Christ raised from the dead. It just tells us Jesus is fully God. Who can conquer death but God? And yet, the three words descended from David. Jesus was also fully man. Paul knows this. You can say knows his Old Testament very well. He knows Jesus, the lineage is from David, right down to Jehoiakim, Zerubbabel, and to Joseph, the husband of Mary. So my brothers and sisters, we want to look for true deliverance 
Look for true deliverance in Jesus Christ. Not in any government or any nation. True deliverance will come to us when people would repent and know God and fear God more than they fear men. Now, it doesn't mean that we don't care for our nation, huh? alright? It doesn't mean that there's no hope. Of course, there's still hope. Just that like Reverend Lenita has reminded all of us last week, we as Christ followers, God has put us in Malaysia. So we must continue to advocate for justice. We must be the voice to speak out when people are, when people are, when, for the voice of those who cannot speak up for themselves, for the disadvantage. Okay? We must participate in all the good endeavors for the betterment of our fellow, fellow men and our country. But true deliverance will not be in any party or any nation. It will be in God. And today, in conclusion, well, I just summarized the three lessons from the glass king of Judah. Let us heed God's word, obey the word, take it serious, real serious. And secondly, remember, when we say we repent, we better check ourselves that our repentance is sincere and not, like this says, danger past, God forgotten. And ultimately, our deliverance will be given by God, not man. So let us fear God and not man. We remember the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, the King of kings. In Him is our true deliverance. Praise God. God bless you, my brothers and sisters. Amen.